0: Sway how <laughs> <laughs> that's like one of my favorite clips to go every once in a while I go back and watch that so
1: good <laughs> did you also see
0: the one what the fuck was the one where uh it was Tyler the creator on uh on Sway <laughs> yeah. oh my god I
1: feel like it's so funny too Sway's come such a long way from being like the the dude that was like covering the X Games for MTV <laughs> yeah right and he was he, like the safe black dude like co- yeah he was,
0: totally was and he would like cover he was like the third go to after like two other white dudes yeah. on <laughs> on, uh, on fucking uh. Total Request live. No oh, yeah, like,
1: yeah. <laughs> He was the dude they like stuck outside and yeah. shit. Yeah, they're like He's Carson and Dave him. could not be here. <laughs> oh, yeah. So here's Sway. <laughs> here's Sway slightly annoyed outside with thirteen year old girls. He's like, Bruh. <laughs> I'm oh, out here, God. Times Square, um, with Rachel. Um, this is the fourth Rachel I've met today. Um, <laughs> they were all I feel like I feel like late nineties, it was all Rachel's. It was all Rachels. Or yeah. Kelly's. <laughs> this is one of the two. <laughs> Never uh, hooked up with a Rachel. Kind of
0: I've never hooked up with a Rachel.
1: Yeah, I feel like as many Rachels are out there. As there are out there. Statistically, it should have happened by now. Yeah, it should absolutely have happened. I I I mean, that that just means we're doing something. It's not Rachel's fault. Rachel, it's not your fault. I just haven't found you. That sounds very (laughs) creepy. Um, But that's also probably why I've never hooked up with a Rachel. So (laughs) there's that. (laughs) That's because if you ever meet one, you're like, I found you. (laughs) (laughs) I think we figured figured it out.
0: (laughs) Dude, uh, the Madness Continues podcast here with Curtis. Shaw flag! From uh from from the Laugh Factory Chicago, um I said that too loud I'm already blowing out my audience's ears <laughs> on this thing. Um how's it going man? This has been a little while in the making. We've yeah had like we've a few... definitely
1: <laughs> gone back and forth. I've seen a bunch of hey bro I owe you ones. <laughs> yeah
0: well was, I'm glad we finally got to do it. I uh, yeah I've been meaning I was been meaning to talk to you for a little while because uh you know I've been kind of making the rounds and stuff and I wanted to get into talking about the Laugh Factory. And you've been here for a while now, and it's funny because, like, I, you and I know each other, but, like, we don't, I've never really, like, hung out. Yeah, that, and like,
1: like, what the fuck <laughs> is up with that? You know what, that, that also is my fault. <laughs> yeah. Today that's... is just me just making amends. The first step, <laughs> you know, in my 12-step process of really, I was, I'm a jerk, is, uh, yeah, just really admitting that I am. I know, mean,
0: there are no good amazing, people in you know, comedy.
1: Busy no. <laughs> schedule. I say that for everything, though. My girlfriend always fucking kind of gets on me, but.
0: Well, you are, you do kind of have a busy schedule because I feel like you're. You, not only do I see you obviously here every time I'm here, but I feel like, and we—I should say—we're recording this in the the second floor, the upper floor, yes, VIP the, section, the, the, of the, the deep into the laugh factory in literally Chicago. in
1: a spot that no one sits in but it's super cool
0: it's a cool spot and it's funny because you can't see the stage Easy at all here
1: <laughs> there's a table here too like why this is like i feel a like a lot this, of visuals for this i kind of feel like this is
0: where they imagine co- comedians like would be hanging out at but there's yeah. just nobody everybody's just downstairs getting at the bar
1: yeah. <laughs> <For> or people <laughs> who are late to a sold-out show this is yeah or people
0: weird. who are late to a sold-out show basically uh, that
1: we ever sell out shows Uh, social shows sell out yeah yeah i mean i'm being facetious but you know it's definitely we we, we've done well i've been here since 2012 started as an intern yeah uh social media intern robert jamie a contract that he never signed but (laughs) i'm still here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's really kind of like worked my way up I guess like I was also doing comedy at the time I thought I was going to do comedy that was probably the dumbest thing but through that I also gained like a huge appreciation for what it takes to do, to comedy. do comedy you yeah. know because everyone thinks that they can be a comedian but you know very few number one have what it takes to be a comedian or are willing to put in the work that is necessary to become you know a successful comedian working comedian Um, whatever class of comedian you want to like you know yeah yeah wherever you want to aspire to yeah
0: what um that's actually interesting why how did you get into comedy and then how did you how did you how did you decide you wanted to get into the world of comedy
1: I mean I've always been a huge fan of stand-up I mean I probably at this point listen to stand up more than I do music. It's always been kind of like a 50, 50 thing. Sure. Watching comedians and listening to, you know, stand up albums and, you know, but there wasn't necessarily an opportunity, um, to be a part of it. Um, I went to college as a biology major. Oh yeah. Really? Um, he came here. I okay, so. worked for a Fermi lab. Yeah. Um, you had like a legit ass job, man. Yeah, Well, it was legit <laughs> until the government cut funding for the program. Oh, that I mean, was a yeah, part good of. point. And, yeah. <laughs> we ain't making but... money doing that shit anymore. It's kind of hard. And also no one's hiring for Thanks, what Obama. I you know, went to school for. Oh, yeah. Um, so it was a lot of self-reflection. So wait, you went to school
0: for biology. What was your focus?
1: Uh, bioinformatics. Yeah. What? So it was like software engineering for you know like for different like biological platforms and, and processes. So Fermi Lab was doing you know. What the it, fuck are you a, doing here, Chris? <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like you're like you
0: used to work for. I had no idea you used to work for Fermi yeah, Labs. It's, yeah, it's yeah, Fermi Labs of the famous like 1960s Fermi Labs yeah, that created and yeah.
1: governed. Um, they were doing neutrino testing, so Fermilab is actually the second largest uh, like new neutrino testing facility, like outside of Japan. What? And there was like a huge nuclear meltdown some years ago, maybe like seven, eight years ago, um, and so all of the all of the testing was kind of in flux. Um, CERN decided that Fermilab was going to take over um, uh-huh. the neutrino testing. CERN as
0: in the Large Haldron Collider in in S- Switzerland.
1: Yes. That organization. That organization. Central Which European, kind of also serves. Um, yeah. It's like. Yeah, well, Something organization. Yeah, I've always just called it CERN. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. no one's ever I, really kind of checked just, me yeah. on that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, time, I don't I, really know. I, was, yeah. I couldn't finish it. Since I stopped <laughs> writing paychecks, I could give a fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They decided that, you know, Fermilab was was going to be the destination because it was the second largest facility in the world. Sure. Um, so I joined on as like an entry level research analyst team. Uh, we kind of collaborated on um, writing code and programming for this neutrino testing. What happened was there were there was a theory out there that there were neutrinos being clocked faster than the speed of light, which what? was like crazy. Yeah. Would just Prove the theory of, of relativity, relativity equals yeah. MC squared. Basically, yeah. long story Only- short, time, time travel could be possible. That was yeah. really what I looked at it as. And also, scientists always... They always try to disprove any yeah. of Einstein's yeah. theories. Like, yeah, of course. I feel like that's just like their life. That would work. be the biggest. You'd be the, the yeah. most famous. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that's most of it. But I just think at the end of the day, they just don't like Einstein. I oh don't know. God, it's dude. weird. It's like this weird Edison. Complex, this is like but... weird. This is like real shit, man. You could've been Doctor Manhattan. Like from. <laughs> I was. I was far from that shit. I was just one of like thirty. I'm studying neutrinos, which travel yeah. faster than light. <laughs>
0: Faster than what you would perceive as time.
1: Yeah, I always do the thing of, you know, like I hit a wall and it's like, you know, E equals MC squared is in layman saying that, like, my hand can't pass through this mass because of the fact that, you know, one mass can't pass through, you know, an equal or greater. Um, Yeah. So... Yeah, we were doing we were doing a bunch of testing there for about, I don't know, four months. Okay, so you so
0: all right, so you're hold on a second. So your degrees in bioinformatics, but you were studying essentially physics. Yes. I mean, you were researching. Well, physics.
1: I was researching physics with a bio it because it was a software yeah. engineering degree. Got so it. Like, okay. Got really, it. I could just and you're programming computers that stuff.
0: are essentially like running sophisticated programs, tracking the things that essentially Fermi Labs is testing, basically
1: yes. in a very minute kind of like uh, speculum. in the kind of the bigger the, in the bigger True. picture, we are a very small yeah. entity. There was a lot of other like software engineers got and it. computer programs. Because I just wanted, really
0: I almost sure. wanted to really nerd out on like physics shit right now. I wanted to be like, okay, well, because if you're t- dealing with like potentially the concept that something could travel faster than light, hence back in time. Well, then, like this, it, do I wanted to talk about su- things like tachyon particles or like do these
1: things exist? Yeah, I like, mean, subatomic particles. This podcast could probably start over again and we can get on a better, pay. but <laughs> it, but but ultimately, yes, that that was what it was. But where. We come in and we're like, you know, you need 30 research analysts is because the margin of error is so, so, so small. Uh-huh. And you're talking about tens of thousands of tens of seconds uh-huh. um, that these neutrinos were clocking at. So we're still using the Swiss Alps to test. So it Got was actually it. starting at the Swiss Alps, was coming around uh, through uh, the Rockies. Yep, And then it would it would end there. So it would actually kind of go around the globe Jesus. Um, counterclockwise and then come back um, to the Rockies. So we're just like, we're we're tracking that. We're like writing record times down. We're doing all that. I'm snapping on the podcast. Um, <laughs> and so with every new calculation, we would have to go back and rewrite code. I'm not a math major. I suck at math. So like the yeah. only part that I was not good at was actually doing, was breaking down the calculations. So it yeah. was like, you know, something's clocked at, you know, like, point zero 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 one you know second which is crazy fucking fast yeah um it's breaking the sound barrier it's it's breaking all of the barriers except for the light because there's nothing yet that has been clocked so like sure i always kind of i would ask you know some of the some of the uh, the the lead uh research scientists who always talk to us like we were dumb as shit but in comparison (laughs) we were I was like, once this happens, nothing has ever broken the light barrier. So, like, what happens? Like, I've yeah. spent years in school, like, studying, you know, what could possibly happen. The Big Bang Theory was really centered around the yeah. first kind of, like, implosion that that would have been relatively, I guess, going at the speed of light. light yeah. so the first it was the first intrusion of that. And they were just like, I don't know, because like, yeah. we find out. And it's like, once we do that, then we figure everything out. I was like, so we don't just die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, was like- always,
0: well, There was a list of like, uh, there was a TED Talk that I saw some years ago. then there was a list of like the top 10 ways that like humanity could end. And number 10 was they were like a an incident at a particle collider. Yes. And you're like, yeah, that would be why. It's because like nobody's ever done this and we turned it on and some crazy shit happened and now we <laughs> there, you go. there we most, go. nobody most has an like idea
1: espionage movies where the bad guy has like a subatomic you know part and they're going to like detonate it it always breaks down to about that something just as finite as an atom and splitting that atom could be more devastating than yeah. like any uh, you know any hiroshima you know like yeah. bomb that you can possibly So you were like almost of. an evil supervillain basically I I, I am <laughs> it's not over <laughs> my story is not written <laughs> in the least bit um but long story short i was i was at fermi lab working I had moved here i got my degree from uh, marion university in indianapolis moved to chicago Yeah, fermi's in
0: indiana uh, right? fermi's in illinois, illinois fermi's like me.
1: outside of bartlett got it um and batavia got it i knew batavia. it was out there yeah. somewhere yeah but it's near bartlett in batavia um And so, yeah, they cut funding for for this particular program that I was working on. It was so funny because like they treated us like they talked to us like shit the entire time I was there. And the day I got fired, they opened up and said, you know, we want to thank everybody, you know, for, you know, what you guys have been doing. And I'm like, this is weird. Like usually (laughs) they would talk about 10 calculations that were like off by like just so much and then we would get shot on as as the programmers and then the research analysts we get shot on for not being able to correct the problem and bring it back to us and then we could team <laughs> oh build God. and figure out exactly like how to restructure the code of the program that we were using um, how were long did like, you do this for it was a it was about six months okay uh, it got it. six months but the the money ran out three months in and we didn't know <laughs> and so they were just kind of like skimming by um i People also wasn't know. making much but i was also doing something that was in my field kind yeah of yeah like yeah. Right and, and, and so, honestly it's kind of cool yeah you, you couldn't really high. beat it and yeah. yeah so they cut the funding and they were like you know sayonara have a good day and i was like fuck i don't have a job so i worked at best buy for a little bit like nice. i started doing you know just nice. kind of menial shit yeah um it's while really trying funny to it's, shop this degree that nobody wants or you know this, or any of the qualifications <laughs> that no one is looking for This
0: is so funny Curtis because like my I in 2008 I worked at so 10 years ago ugh, mm-hmm. I worked at um, the. US Embassy in Paris I was as worked for the State Department US embassy in Paris I was doing all this like really... Uh, important shit for them and was there for six months similarly and then i got <laughs> out of that job and came back to detroit and then had to go get a job as a floor salesman at, yeah, like, it's nothing better
1: than being a customer service specialist yeah, I, yeah, after so working at weird. it makes like <laughs> no sense man like it's so bizarre because
0: even in the interview they were like so i see that you have experience uh at the u.s state department embassy to paris yeah and i'm like yeah uh so i think yeah. i can sell jeans yeah i sat in
1: i sat in a few <laughs> interviews and got the like overqualified you know thing back where they're like yeah you know you're just overqualified but i'm like but but isn't that a good thing yeah like, but i have bills That <laughs> sounds great you nobody's hire getting hired at best buy as
0: qualified. a career job yeah. so <laughs>
1: they you know i i definitely went through that ringer what ended up happening was I've always been a writer. Like, yeah, I would write jokes. I would just, I would just write, and um, I started writing about my time at Fermilab. And like, yeah. then I would, I was a big sports fan, so I started writing sports, just like dumb shit, just summarizing games and like breaking down. What's plays. this like? Where
0: were you writing this stuff? literally to myself yeah just, just like a just crazy a, person is this in a notebook or like on um a computer or, or on a computer i would yeah. just
1: like word doc it and yeah. um i'll never forget i wrote this think piece on johnny knox who was uh he was a rookie at the time he was actually in the rookie training camp for the bears and i just really liked him i was like this guy like has something so yeah. I wrote, johnny knox more than a rookie and <laughs> i had it and i started showing people i was like oh, i'll read this that i wrote you know like and have shit else better to do i was Unemployed yeah, and a friend of mine who is also a writer he was like you should get into blogging and I'm like What the fuck is that? Yeah, and he's like, you know, he's like it's like, you know writing articles for like online like news sources and I was like, oh, it's just like writing articles online. He's like, yeah, I know a guy that, you know, writes for the Tribune. He's a community manager. And so he put me in contact with a guy named Jimmy Greenfield, who was the community manager for Chicago Now, which is um, a Chicago Tribune blog site. Yeah, yeah. And so I submitted it. and I was like, hey, I'd love to contribute. I don't know. I just like writing. I can write about anything. Um, And he goes, well, start your own blog site first. Build content and then come back. And so I actually started my own blog site on Blogspot.com and classic yeah. blogspot.com, yeah. And so <laughs> I did that for like probably the better part of a year, like maybe six to eight months. And I had written probably like 30, 40 like blog posts. Oh, wow! And I submitted and I actually kind of got a little following of just like you know, just putting it out there in the ether just and like, people just people who Google came, search came on it from yeah, one, one you way know, or another. Keyword yeah. search bears, bulls, cub, you know, everything yeah. that was you know, and that's all of this kind of started to kind of build a skill set that i took into you know when i ultimately you know came to laugh factory so i submitted this to him to jimmy and he was like all right this is great we'll start your own and i started um it was um as i see it was the name of my blog and it was literally just like everything (laughs) as i see it it was just so cliche and hack as fuck and so i did that for like three years i was Holy just shit, a man, you did freelance writing. So you, saw, you must have
0: done that so you must have done that what in 2008 2009
1: or something yeah that, was, i was like yeah so i was about 2009 to 2012 oh man! so that yeah. was like literally from like when i got the can at fermi lab till i started interning at, at laugh factory so Damn, it was like dude. a good three years but through that i started ghostwriting for for you know journalists i you know had a piece i was in red eye then i started um doing getting freelance gigs so like i wrote for bowling center management magazine which is like a very niche publication for bowling center (laughs) owners and like i was getting paid you know off of that and you know paid per click i just can imagine the
0: ads in that bowling center magazine for eight track tape players yeah
1: (laughs) you think it's actually pretty like tech forward um actually my biggest piece that i wrote for them was implementing wi-fi into your bowling center oh yeah man. How, you know having like kind of that streamlined technology was the yeah. difference between the old smoky bowling Here you are using that bioinformatics yeah <laughs>
0: yeah when i i mean i don't know but i i, I could see that because when i think bowling center i think technology
1: um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't we all <laughs> pulling a tab to get a pack of cigarettes out um so to wrap up this whole, like, how did I get here? Um, so, for about three years, I wrote for the the blog site, and we were a pretty close knit group, like, because blogging wasn't that popular yet at the time. Like, like yeah, that was kind of right. Yeah. Looked at us like we were just like yeah. bums and, you you know, but what happened was print journalism started to die. Yeah, the, the that was right when that was kind of
0: all going on. Yeah.
1: So like I was on the I was on the early end of it, which was nice. I wish I, I wish I would have gotten paid what people are getting paid now to do it. But like there wasn't a real ROI. It was like, OK, you would, you know, use Google AdWords and things to like get clicks to your website and you get paid per click. So yep. that's where the whole marketing side came from. Because I was like, Got OK, it. I have to like brand myself as like a writer. So keywords I have to get people to and, come and yeah, like check this search out. Search engine optimization. And, really, and, and
0: still, yeah. And in and Eight, two 2009 2010 even into 2012 like all of that was still pretty that was a just a growing industry of people like that it yeah. wasn't a much earlier than that and that almost didn't that as a career as a job almost didn't even exist it
1: still doesn't i mean uh, only in the sense of like you know there is money to be had out there yeah it's the same with stand-up comedy it's like oh yeah okay that's a career like, yeah how can <laughs> you get on it? Like, you're really you're you're an independent contractor you know you're yeah. freely you're always a freelance writer unless there was a there was a period in time where there was a website called aol fan house and aol fan house became like one of like the bigger is before like yahoo sports got big and all of, like espn.com really started like yep. doing you know articles and you know, posts and really becoming like AOL. a very like <laughs> news centric website, AOL Fan House was like paying motherfuckers money. Yeah. So a lot of like my fellow writers who were like sports writers all kind of jumped ship and went over to AOL Fan House because they were paying like. Like five hundred dollars a piece, and like what? yeah, and then you got like an extra, like an additional like three to four cents per click, and what? like so it was like yeah. crazy money that they were like shelling out.
0: Three cents a click is nuts.
1: It's crazy. <laughs> three cents a click is, is insane. Yeah, and so like you know a lot of people started just kind of like migrating over, and I was like kind of like loyal to Chicago, was like. I'm not like, I didn't go to school for journalism. Like, yeah. I just kind of do this because I love it. Like, Jimmy gave me a chance, and, like, you know, all these people are leaving, and, like, it's becoming, like, a ghost town in Chicago now. And so I was like, man, I never, I'll stick around. Um, so everybody pretty much ended up going over to AOL Fan House, which lasted maybe a year. Yeah. And then they, yeah, like, we're went, Yeah, where they're shuffling out money and that then they fast. shut down, and then they were, like, they gave – and the thing was, like, you know, they're paying you. You're, you're basically all – like independent contractors, freelance writers. So like, yep. you're not under any specific contract. You just, as much as you contribute, as much as you get back. So once they like ended up folding, everyone just just like out of a job, <laughs> a job with air quotes per se. And so they're like, fuck, like what do we do? And so like at that point in time, I was like, trying to figure out what else I wanted to do. I was like, I can't do this forever. Like, I wanted to start, like, a writing firm that I, like, was... Yeah, like like, a copywriting house or something. Yeah, that I would, like, start, like, leasing writers out to people who needed things. And I was like, well, I need to go to school for that. Do I need to go back to school? So I was, like, in this, like, personal dilemma... But the the group of writers that we had were pretty close knit, and so we'd all go out and meet for beers and talk. And so anytime there's a new person that came into the fold, like they'd come out, and, you know, Jimmy would welcome them to the group, and we'd all get fucked yeah. up and talk. Yep. Um, one particular night, um, one of the new writers' name was Maggie Sargent, and he's like, "Oh yeah, like Maggie just moved here from LA. Um, she actually works at the Laugh Factory." Um, you know, meet the group and we are like, oh cool. And we just happened to sit next to each other. And I was like, I fucking love stand up comedy. I was like, <laughs> I, and I I lived in the neighborhood and it was the Lakeshore Theater, yeah. which had been closed for like a while. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, so you guys like bought the Lakeshore Theater. That's super dope. Like how are you guys like doing things or whatever? I was also friends with Scott King, who was another writer. Jamie Masada had actually hired Scott King to be the house MC when the club first opened. Got it. So okay. I was friends with Jacob Williams, Scott King, and Maggie Sargent. So you knew like, the
0: you knew the core group basically in, initially, yeah. I was just kind of
1: I kind of just was you you know, you know, and so Maggie was like, yeah, you know, things are great But we're looking we had a social media uh, manager that quit because she just like couldn't handle the job and I'm like what the fuck is, goes into social handle- media that you can't handle it and so you know me she doing marketing it, man, these hot hot deadlines yeah <laughs> so I'm just asking her you know like what entailed in the job and she's like you know just like you know we're a new club we just really need to get our name out there and I was like well if you're looking for somebody like they, this is the like prerequisites they should do I was like they need to know like SEO search engine optimization yeah. they need to know how Google, so works. Kinda had, Google so works so you kind so of had so you had
0: the, the, the skill set that was basically already built from all of this time from yeah. base from doing freelancing essentially and yep. so when the place opened up you were like i like stand-up comedy you guys have a need for what i can do plug and it just and happened pretty quickly it
1: was plug and play so the funny part was i was telling her all this and we're having beers we get drunk whatever and she's like oh it's great thanks you know i'm gonna put a post out anyway in like a, another day or two um so a couple of days go by and <clears throat> one of my one of my friends andy who wrote as well he goes I think this email is for you because she had emailed Andy thinking it was me and was like, yeah, after like thinking about it, you kind of like said everything that I need. I don't know if like you want to do this. Yeah. And so I was like, fuck, yeah, I want to do it. So like I came in and talked to her. She's like, okay, well, Jamie Masada, the owner of Laugh Factor is going to come in town. Dude. And so like, I want you to meet with him. I was like, okay, here's my fucking shot. So like yeah. I took three days wrote like built my resume did everything that I did I just put on one fucking resume yeah and then I wrote a contract so I wrote this contract (laughs) and it was like you know I'm gonna increase your followers by this many then your ticket sales will increase by this much percent. And, like, if this happens, then, like, this is the pay structure that I want, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So
0: uh, you, like, really took you, – you you went on the offensive, basically. You were time. like, I've got yeah, all this stuff I still stuff have ready. the contract.
1: <laughs> and he also <laughs> laminated it. Like, he didn't sign it. Um, <laughs> but I, my – I have a claim to fame is Richard Pryor is, like, I'm – he is a family member. So, like, he's, like – Oh, my really? My like – nephew or some crazy shit.
0: you were actually you're related to richard Pryor. yeah and so like i
1: just i've always that's why i've always been in and around stand-up comedy my family's always really pushed it we've always watched it together as a family from deaf comedy jam to shit i shouldn't even have been listening to at the age i was you know yeah so it's been it was always something that was like kind of in my blood and i've always been a huge fan of it so when I sat with Jamie and I, and I talked to him and I, and I mentioned that, he was like, are you serious? What? Like, what's your pride? And I feel like he only hired me because of that. Because <laughs> he saw the contract. He saw all the shit. And I was like, I can do all of these things. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, comedy's in your blood. So, like, yeah. foot in the door. Um, so then I was here every fucking night. That sounds like that lines up
0: with so many stories I've heard of Jamie Masada. It's just like, he's just kind of like, yeah, "Yeah, no, but comedy's for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Also him not signing the contract was very Jamie. That's just, yeah, Um, that feels very real to me. So I, I started, you know, kind of my journey and I was here every fucking night. You know, just up here in the corner of the balcony, actually, I had my laptop and a camera, and I go down and take pictures of the comics. I was like, everything needs to be live tweeted. I was like, people need to know what's going on here. So then it builds some sort of buzz and they'll come in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I live tweet all the comics. I would paraphrase some jokes. Drew Michael was the first person that, to get on me about paraphrasing a joke. Actually, he's like, "Yeah, hey, take that shit down. That's not even what I said." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, good boy, Good boy, Good point." Boy. So <laughs> but I took Drew it. Drew Michael yeah. HBO yeah. special. Just yeah. Came shout out, out yeah. to Drew. Drew was actually one of the first people I met. Um, and so you know, I, I just continued to do that, and I would you know try to be innovative and, and and find different ways to bring people in. I'd go out to festivals and whatever, and pass out tickets wearing a laugh actor hat. Right, so you like you a, hit at a hundred and. Ten percent, man. Yeah, for Laugh Factory. And you know I Once I was here Day why one Why did you take to it That that hard Like why did you What was it about It was I, I feel like I just knew That this was going That this was it I was yeah. like This is what I need This is what I should be doing Got it um, And like I said As much as I was A huge fan of stand up comedy I had never envisioned myself Being in the industry mm. But once I was there Then it was also because I would never been anywhere Near or around the industry you know? Got I'd it go to shows Yeah like, Watch it on TV And watch it You know Listen to albums But like Yeah but
0: there's a difference Yeah I, I get it There's a difference between being in in and around it, and then watching it,
1: exactly. Like I was comedy adjacent, but I was never in in it. You know? Yeah, so, yeah.
0: You were you were you you were appreciating the sausage rather
1: than being in the factory, exactly. And so once speak. I saw how the sausage was made, I was like, I. You wanna were like, be I the need fuck to fucking and, yeah, and sausage. I'm, I'm a fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna own a delicatessen when it's over with. Um, so yeah, man, dude, I just I really just kind of like fucking feet to the fire and, and grinded, And the more also, mind you, I was doing stand up from the pretty much the day I started here. Yeah. I started doing mics. So I was yeah. like, ah, dude, I'm gonna like write jokes and shit. So, Matt Shiramante, Dior Sharp, and I all started doing mics. <laughs> and so, I'll never forget the first mic Dior, Matt, and I went up. Matt fucking killed. And I was like, Fuck which, which you, mic dude. was it? What was it? It was um, uh, uh, Fortrays okay four trays i was on damon next to riverview he's not there anymore yeah the, sh- the jeffs used to run it jeff sheen and jeff arcuri yeah and uh i was like fuck you dude i like, saw jeff the other day in new york like matt literally out of the gates was so fucking good like he's just crutch yeah i was like <laughs> i remember being like i don't want to do this now because i thought we would all be equal yeah. <laughs> but like he was so much better than we were but i still did i actually never did a mic here that was like my thing. I was like, I'm never going to do it at the Laugh Factory. I was like, but that's how I knew I was never going to do comedy. Um, <laughs> so, you know, this I did that for a about thing. a good two years yeah. of just like hidden mics. I think I did maybe like two actual shows: I did Patsy's and. Um, I did Patsy's and I did one more. I can't, I can't even think of what it was. But Patsy was like the most time. I think I did like 12 minutes and I oh, only yeah. had like four. <laughs> so was <laughs> doing a lot of crab yeah, work up there. It was crazy. But also, once again, like that's why, you know, even in, you know, taking my job to where it is now, like there's, I have such a respect for, you know, what it does really take to get good. Yeah. And the sacrifices and the, the shit that you have to eat in order to, you know, to get a good bit you know yeah to get any um, good time yeah. out of it and anything, also I, so, there's, there's no way like when comics fuck around on stage i have no time for it because I'm yeah like, you, you're literally someone else could be in this could position. be working People right work now they're fucking yeah, ass yeah. Off to do it um which i'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit but yeah. um there was so maggie hired me on as like social media manager or marketer or whatever and then i just kind of wanted to do more so i wanted more of the behind the scenes so i started coming in the office in the morning and like Watching, like, kind of what they did during the day, you know, yeah. what the admin tasks were, seeing and how the place like ran, Actually yeah, seeing, seeing the actual the business side, yeah. Then at the same time, like, you know, Jamie was great at really taking me under his wing and showing me the business side. He's like, You get the comedy, um, but this is how a club is run. This yeah. is like, This is the booze, you know, this is how the two drink minimum, this is why we do the two drink minimum, this is our rent, this is the electricity, this is the budget for the comics, this is the payroll, yeah. You got to make a profit out of this, so like, this that's why we need extra amount of people in here you know per share per day you know per night whatever Um, and so seeing that end and really kind of understanding like how a comedy business was run yeah it just kind of gave me like a fucking taste for more and like at, at a certain point I was like I, I totally said to myself I was like I definitely I want to run this club like it, when it's all said and done if they leave like I'm not going anywhere like I want to be here yeah and I want to be here very specifically because it was a showcase club we weren't putting up headliners I was meeting all of these Chicago comics yeah, Tom, that yeah, were so you know, I mean so you know great. everybody there was you know. so many waves of comics that have since left like the first big wave um, of comics that moved was like um, like Charlie Beery and, and, and like candy lawrence and, and drew michael and um nate craig but had already left but I, I knew who he was and you had like lisa trager megan gailey you know yeah. mateo lane joel kim Bo- booster you know clark will kenny uh josh johnny like all of these waves of comics oh, started yeah. to leave soren Choxie, um you know like all of these comics were like here then moved to LA and New York, respectively, and and, and started getting big. <laughs> oh yeah! And then it come back, and it was like you started to watch how how success in comedy was manifested. Oh and yeah! That was like probably one of the like one of the biggest incentives is you know working in a showcase comedy club is is really watching the talent groom and then go off and, and then and like and really success you yeah. know, or groom and, and have success in this in Chicago yeah because um, they're both totally obtainable and you know they were all they were all super supportive of me when I was actually doing stand up which was so nice of them because <laughs> I was terrible and you do you, you have know, like a clip do you have any clips on YouTube we could throw on the show
0: notes hell no <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I made a very good point to make sure that shit is all gone I think there is a clip out there somewhere that someone has and I'm not going to say who it is but they're definitely holding it that's hilarious right man It um, just holding you a hostage pretty or much just yeah, the time they just show up and be like hey chris can i get a spot right <laughs> <laughs> you know him because he probably gets the most spots here you can probably uh deduce Guess. that <laughs> that's uh, funny but, you know, comics like Lisa Traeger, Megan Gailey, Soren Chaxi, which is so funny. I was just at Montreal this past weekend. Oh, yeah. And Lisa and Megan are there. They're fucking stars. Yeah. Like, I went to New York and I watched Lisa flip the comedy cellar. Hannibal walked in. This motherfucker walked in. This motherfucker walked in. But Lisa flipped it, you know? Yeah. I'm, like, crying because I'm so fucking, like, I'm, like, a can't Well, there's kind of a, it's funny, man, because,
0: come. like, I um I want to talk about a handful of other stuff, too, about related to running the club and, and audiences coming out here and w- why people go see live comedy and, uh, and all of this. But, like, I'm I'm fascinated because I've noticed this, too. Like, there's a – you know, having gone out uh, – I mean, I've been based in Chicago for three years. I've done stand-up for a long time. But, like, going out a lot lately to New York and L.A. I was just in New York a couple weeks ago and um, and saw Jeff R. Curry running into Josh Johnson. Yeah. Like, see all these guys around. And it's funny. I was in L.A. at the Comedy Store last year and ran into the boss Sisters.
1: Yes, the um, Boss Sisters. The Boss Sisters were another – you know, a couple gals. You know that yeah. are fucking amazing. They're hilarious. And we're super supportive and have always been just the most talented. You know, they do something that was that that has that was so big, fucking decades ago. And they put such a modern twist on it. They're like, you know, like our generations, you know, kind of like do it. But they're sisters. Yeah, know? yeah. They're so amazing. And, you know, when they left, I was like, oh, no, like we lost our, you know, like or we, we lost one of our best, you know, and they go out to L.A. and they're, they're killing it. Yeah, and they're doing all kinds um, of
0: sh- I mean, and it's fa- fascinating to me because I think that there really is a rigor to a lot of Chicago comedy. Mouth. What did you say? I said watch your mouth. Said, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get triggered. Uh, Well, there's a lot of. There's a difficulty in Chicago comedy that forces uh, people to really focus on joke writing and to focus on. And I think part of it a little bit is that the community here is slightly insular. Like, that there's really only. I mean, there's a lot of independent shows, but there's really only, you know, a handful of clubs. This is one of them. And if you want to get into front of a real audience, you have to fucking. You have to really be tight. Like, you got to tighten your game up. You got to get on a show. You have to, like. And I think that there's a lot of people who are climbing and i don't know this for certain because uh, obviously i haven't come up in either of these communities but there's a lot of people who i think are in new york or la who don't necessarily think like, they move there and they never have to go through that level of rigor that like coming to chicago is a difficult like it's a difficult ladder to climb and to get into the into the group because it's 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 a lot of talent that's really trying to work itself out
1: i agree um I also haven't come up in those scenes, so it's it, it's really yeah, kind it's hard, of hard how, how to you do, compare. You notes, know, kind right? of a comparison. But with what what I will say is that I wrote down a list of let's see if I can do it here. I wrote down a list of comics that are just like bookable, you know? Just yeah. like comics that are good. Yep. Um off the top of my head. Yep. This was just like I'm just going to let it fly, you know, and my list got to like about like a hundred before Damn. I was like, okay, like I ran out of like, just like, just know, from, you just did this like the other day, top of my head. Yeah. yeah. Like a, like a week and a half ago. Yeah, These are all just people who live in Chicago, who you're like, who you I can, throw can them put up, up and yeah. give five minutes to and would do well. Yeah. And so, you know, everyone comes with like, man, like what do I got to do to get in? What do I got to do? And it's like, just be fucking different and be funny. Be yeah. funny is like the most cliche bullshit that you're ever going to hear. Yeah. But. When you see comics like Joe McMahon, who has just really kind of been here as a regular for the past year max, yeah, you know, I was yeah, talking yeah. to him, you know, when we're in Montreal because he's a new face now, yeah. you know. And it's like he, he, he said things that kind of put it all in in perspective as of someone who has kind of like went through the grind and done it. Doesn't matter how many fucking years you've been doing comedy. Doesn't matter how many other clubs you're in with. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Every club is different and unique unless it's a chain you know yeah. like i'm in mean, the hilarities on the east coast i could do the hilarities on the west coast like that's fine Yep. um but in chicago it's different man there's like so many comics that are totally capable yeah um and they're all fighting for like the same kind of piece of the pie yeah. how um, do you
0: stand out yeah that i mean that's such a good point man like how do you how because you have to really figure out what your voice is and how that's different there's from so other many people.
1: different ways of really kind of getting and achieving the success the, the success that you want in chicago there are Plenty of opportunities to go up. There's two to three times more showcases that you can do on a given week than you can in New York and L.A. Ask comics who have moved there. Um, there's so many chances to get up and do time between showcases and open mics in Chicago. Um, so if you're not doing that, if you're not doing two to three, if you're not doing, if you're not going up at least twice a, a night, yeah, then you are not maximizing your potential. And also, there are comics who are lapping you. Oh yeah. So you have comics that are doing two to three shows a night, um, and you're talking about seven nights a week, and you're talking about also trying to make money and have a job. And so whatever your whatever your day job is, whatever your other obligations, family. There are people who have families. There are people who have kids. And they're still grinding have, it. and they're still fucking doing. It. And sometimes it's to the detriment of their family, <laughs> and sometimes it's the detriment of their marriage, and it's yeah. the detriment of their health. But I mean, um, this is what you're
0: talking about when you're saying success sacrifices and watching like what it takes to be i've seen
1: it you know i have and i've and i've only been in this for a fucking short amount of time six seven years you know yeah actually being at laugh factory you know in the business that way but just kind of being like i said adjacent to comedy for much longer than that oh yeah um and you know it, it takes so much and it takes you having a in a, a different unique voice there are specific comics that i will get shit from other comics about you know booking yeah and when you really kind of look at it it's like well they have a different voice than you and you sound like about 15 other, other comics, people you know who are already here. and yeah you're in the the difference much, is like they're all much,
0: funny how much crap do you get i mean do you catch a lot of flack from people who are oh yeah of course yeah, yeah. i mean but but i but if i didn't then i
1: probably would be doing something wrong you know what yeah. i mean like and also if they weren't giving me shit, then they would be doing something wrong you know mm. they're all hungry mm. they all want to be on stage and i like that you yeah, know yeah it's the entitledness that i just don't really feel i i get mm. the hunger and i get yeah. the confidence and i get the like really wanting to like you know, push forward in the perseverance of it all, but it's the entitlement of like I should be there and I should mm. be doing. That. There's no, mm. you know what I mean? It's not fair. It's like, ain't eh, shit, fair. You know what I mean? Like I've yeah. If you want to never tell, tell, this is uh, not the right industry. <laughs> yeah, shut up, to all the white comics that, that tell me about you being a minority and you being fucking endangered species and like, shit, not being fair. That's so Fuck funny. Fuck you, number one and number two. You really got to kind of look inside and say like, okay, am I doing everything? And also, is the laugh factory the be all end all of me? Fucking yeah. Performing in Chicago, hell no. Yeah. Like matter of fact, the Laugh Factory isn't even the most coveted showcase in the fucking city. It goes to CYSK, and yeah. shout out to them because they fucking yeah, they have worked to get to that spot. Cranked it. Yeah, um, it's so fascinating.
0: I mean, like that's uh, that's so interesting to me because I feel like this is we're really going through this like moment where. I feel like there's so many there's so many white comics who are just like white male comics.
1: White cis male comics. Yeah, white cisgender male comics yeah. right. Well it's like, and they're like 'cause they're like, you're talking you about the same, same. shit. Yeah. Think about it like and and if anyone really kind of like wanted to be introspective and and at some point in time in everyone's career and everyone's path, like you do it. Um, you say like, what am I talking about? You know, like, yeah. what am I talking about? Like, I think my jokes are funny. You know, people think my jokes are funny, but like, is it transcendent? Yeah. What is am it, I doing? You know, Where's this going? What am I doing? Everybody Why am I talking about these Louis things? Everybody loves Louis CK. Everybody loves Bill Burr. Everybody loves Jim J- You know, everyone loves these people, but you know, they, there's something that they do that, that peaks, your interest and makes them the, the creative genius that they become and all this shit takes time. Like yeah. no comic is good until after fucking nine, 10 years. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like you could be good early on, but it's not really until you know that point until you really find your voice. It's like puberty for comics. You know, yeah. like you go through that period where you're like, okay, this is who I am. Like, this is like my perspective. It changes like, the fucking like your clothes because yeah. times change, pop culture changes. Yeah, you develop. I mean, you used to develop over time. I think Joe McMahon's a good example of this.
0: Like I've known Joe for a few years and um lived with him and Dave Metz uh, for a short amount of time in 2014, in their fucking flop house uh down down, <laughs> down just down Belmont. And um it's funny because he really has. I mean, the dude has a defined voice. He's got a character that he commits to on stage and that that and you know who he is and it's funny because Bert I interviewed Bert Haas and Bert really said something very similar
1: which is he was like you have to have consistency of voice and consistency of character and Bert it's, just I, that was actually the next thing I was going to get into is is consistency because you know You can say, Man, dude, like, you know, you weren't here when I like crushed or like, you know, I do better with more than five minutes. When your number's called, it's fucking call, bro. Like and and let's say you're hanging out at the bar and a comic is late, we gotta stretch, you know, we need some extra time. I'm like, Hey, can you go do five? Like, you gotta be able to do it then. Yeah. Like Not when you got booked the two weeks in advance. Like You got to do it every fucking time your number is called. No matter who the fuck is in that crowd, no matter if it's two people or 200 people, you got to be consistent. You got to bring it every time. That is the difference between someone who is a regular and someone who is kind of in what I've what I've been told is a uh, oh, uh, is a guest spot purgatory. Yeah. Um. Where it's kind of like you're in that mode. You you know you're not getting any more than that, but it's like you're also not showing any more than that. You got to be consistent. Like. But that's
0: so real though. Like, and I feel like that's you know if somebody's like trying to br- if somebody's trying to break in and they're getting frustrated. That's the that's the secret sauce right there. It's just show the fuck up, do the do the work, and when somebody points to you, you can do the trick. Yes. Like that's you, the only yeah. thing
1: that you. You also have to train yourself. Writing is a discipline. Um, there's a book called the uh, The War of Art that really kind of like delves oh, into exactly what that is. Like Brian Morton and I were actually literally just talking because he 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 suggests that to to a lot of comedians, especially up and coming comedians. And you know, it, it really just kind of trains your brain. Um, to like write, 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 write. Um, it's not about you know kind of like the, the finish line, but it's about you know kind of the process of getting there because it's uh, it's 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 muscle memory, you know. Well, and it's just also like just anything yeah.
0: Else. It's it, you're so right about that. Like it's muscle. I feel like it's muscle memory. I mean, being those stage skills are muscle memory. Writing is muscle memory. Like there's a lot that goes that. That, that goes into it, and what's weird is that I've noticed is, like, if you go up a lot, if you go up a lot, and if you write a lot, you not only will you never be able to churn through everything you've written, you'll never be able to, like, get through all of it on stage. Like, you'll never, you'll always have, there's always, it's almost always open-ended, but the thing that happens is that you 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 get better at recognizing how to do well in either of those exactly. circumstances? You just start and things start resonating yeah. with you uh, when you're writing them. You you get moments on stage where you're like, oh, I know exactly what to do right here, and like that stuff just co- just starts coming because it's that's the only way to do it is to start. I mean, like that's it's exactly like anything else. It's like basketball or like football or like riding a freaking bike, you know. Yeah. And
1: it's then also the consistency of getting up. That's why I like going to mics and, and eating that 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 turd in a smoky room and you know with it with a completely otherwise disengaged audience it's not about you're you're talking to fucking comics they don't give a fuck they're they're waiting to go up like it's saying it standing up there it's practice that's that's what it is if you you can get if you can get that
0: crowd into it then it's like it's the same thing. It's like people are
1: people. You know yeah, what I mean? sometimes because yeah. there's some jokes that kill in a mic. I You do it on I mean, a showcase on a Saturday night, and, and, it's and not you fucking work. blow them out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because a lot of it is like inside baseball and stuff like that that crowds may not even get. But you know, going back to the writing side, you know, I was talking with a couple of comedians, and it's like you know, the end of the road isn't always stand up. You know, stand up is always yeah. a vehicle for other things. And as a as a stand up comedian, if you do not have these things. Um, if you're looking to get representation, if you're looking to get management, this is what they're looking for. They want a writing packet. They want specs. Oh, this is so real. They man. want fucking ideas. This like is if so you real go in front. If you go in front in a, in a talent audition or a showcase or a talent booker or agent approaches you and they say, hey, like, we really liked your set. You know, like, um, you know, you read by anybody like how long have you been doing comedy, blah, blah, blah. And Then like you say, oh, yeah, like, you know, I've been doing stand up It's like, all right, well, what else you got? Yeah. And you go, oh, well, you know, like I've been thinking of doing like, you know, like this pilot. I've been writing these. Slides. Oh, cool. Like what else you got? Yeah. Like, you can give them everything and they're still going to ask what else you got. got you know, it's so real because I mean, we I just was at New York Television
0: Festival like uh, two weeks ago mm-hmm. and we were there for this pilot that me and uh, Brandon Gay and uh, a, a comedian from New York named Zach Tomasovic made. And uh, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool pilot, and it got some attention from True TV, and that's how we got. We were finalists in the festival.
1: Hey, shout out to True TV. They've really been, di- they've been really in, like deep diving into like the comedy game. They've that's been given that's a lot they of made a whole like, decision. Really yes, cool uh, man, it was
0: so interesting to talk to him over the weekend, or I mean, over that entire week because they had a lot of their executives in, and they were talking about like what they're trying to do and how they're trying to compete versus Comedy Central and why it's different. And it's it it speaks to everything you were just talking about, which is like. You gotta have. They need a different voice from yeah. Comedy Central and from Funny or Die. Yeah. And they can't. And they need a different voice from Netflix comedy. And they need a different voice from any of these places. And they they have to. It's very challenging for them because it can't be too much like anything else.
1: Yeah. I mean the comedy they some of the comedy bubble's gonna burst, the stand up comedy bubble's gonna burst. Now it's just bigger than ever because now with digital media you can monetize and you can market comedy in so many different elements, like from video shorts to 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 original programming to stand up specials to like you know, like there's just so many different avenues now for comedy that, you know, when you're looking at a showcase, you know, we're at JFL, and, you know, there's so much industry there. You know, the comics do five minutes or so. And what they're looking for is to take your five minutes and to make it five seasons. Yeah. You know, they want to see How can Ray we take Romano, you and where can we put you? Yeah, do yeah. his five minutes and that's five seasons of Everybody Loves rap. Right. You know, like, what is your premise? What is your voice? What is your point of view? I mean, Who this is so real. Person?
0: Like it, That's exactly what everybody said at New York Television Festival is those two, those two things. They were like, what's your POV? What's your voice? um and then the and then the next part was exactly what you said it was just what what else do you have where's your spec script where's your where is your your light late night writing packet what are the sketches you have what have you completed like if you don't have
1: a tight five that's for late night like the fuck are you doing like maybe that's not your thing and don't get it twisted there is a place for people who are a legitimate stand-up comic don't want to do nothing else you're a joke writer you stand there you may not have charisma you just want to Belt jokes out. There is a place for you. Oh yeah, and there's a, that's
0: that's a that's a known quantity, and yeah. people get and it's really clear from g- talking with execs at NYTVF that it was like that's a known quantity, and they know what to do with that guy yeah. or that girl. Yeah, they no know exactly what, what to yeah. do with no you. No matter what you need, they, to have they're going like to put like you a... in a room and have you write a hundred late night jokes. And you're going to have a great career, yeah. Because that, I mean, they, and if not you, everybody can do that. Because
1: not everybody can do that. And if you are really like fiending to be like in front of the camera, that's why social media and digital content exists. Because you can do that shit yourself now. Totally. you could be a self-made. You could be Southern Mama if you want to be Southern Mama. You know what I mean, like. But you know what they want is that type five. They want the type five for late night. They want a clean set. They want a workable set. Because believe it or not when you get late night they watch your clips that you submit your manager your agent whoever submits the clip and they go okay cool they'll vet that set and then they'll say okay this is the jokes that we like that have passed through the first round of legal and then they say (laughs) all right well the jfl does the exact same thing and they say okay um could you please transcribe these jokes in the way that you're going to do them word for word you submit those to the network the network submits that to legal. Legal goes by and fucking okay, our sponsors may not want to, you know, at the end yeah. of the day, you can't, can't say you're not gonna like fuck up their money. Yeah. Nobody cares about your fucking art, bro. Yeah. Like yeah no is a fight you just wanna say whatever you wanna say. You can go out and be the state street preacher and do that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can have your own web series and put it on YouTube, you wanna do that shit. But you get paid, you wanna be seen, you wanna be on late night, it's gotta go through legal. Yeah. you gotta make sure it doesn't jeopardize or compromise any of their sponsorship opportunities or the money that they're getting or could be getting. Yeah. Um and and then they say, all right, this is what has been approved to do it. You go around, you workshop that shit, you go around the clubs and mics and, and work that five minutes. And then, you know, the, the lights come on, the curtain opens, and, you know, you gotta hit you your, do your, fucking, your coding, fucking joke. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, hopefully that shit translates to the crowd and you know to your peers and to everybody else like oh you had a great set or oh, you know it was whatever and then you know from there it's still work to be done yeah because just because you got conan doesn't mean a fucking thing yeah you know if you're i not mean that's still exactly working. it's
0: i you know what i mean just to it's give an example of a guy who grinds it and is still grinding it is uh, i was talking with jeff at like uh that in new york because he came yeah. out to Arcuri. Jeff Arcuri, yeah who got Colbert. And I was like, man, that was so fucking cool. And it was cool. I mean, it was exciting for me. Like, I've, I have, I started doing comedy a long time ago. I have friends who've now moved on and gone to LA and stuff and, and gone and been in really cool shit. And like, uh, I decided to go to college, which was a total total mistake. Tell me about it. (laughs) But like, it was interesting because like, I, I, seeing that group of people move on was cool. But seeing this group of people move on who I've known for the last few years in Chicago is like another level of cool yeah, yeah. where I'm like, oh shit, man, like I actually like you've moved on and down stuff. So I'm talking to Jeff and it's exactly what you just said. I mean, it's fascinating because he did Colbert and I'm like, what's going on now? And he's like he's like, dude, it's the same. It's the same it's
1: the same work. Yeah, it's Jeff like- is like one of Jeff's a really good friend of mine and I feel like I should probably talk to him more since he's did it, but I just figure he's like big time now. But um he yeah, he's kind of the definition of what when someone realizes their voice and finds their voice and then also says, okay, this is something that's totally attainable. And he grinded like here in Chicago, he, he milked that shit. You know, David Drake's another one, you know, they, they milked that shit. If there was a stage to hit, they fucking hit that stage. And you know, when comics ask me, you know, like, how do I get in here? And it's like, you have to do all the ancillary things outside of this club. Like, you need to be going up constantly and you need to be hitting showcases, all of the bullshit. You know, we have a lot of spots. We have the mic, we have outside produce shows. Do you can yeah. get on the stage? And I don't even book you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. there is an opportunity. There's a, there's and a then, lot of, there's a lot of places to get, to get yeah. up. Man. And when I see you, like I, you better bring it. Like if you thought you killed and I don't, then guess whose fucking opinion matters. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. I, I get so tired. It's like, Oh man, I did so great. It's like, did you though? Like, <laughs> like everyone says they killed. Where's the proof? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like it's that's your so, word against mine real, against yeah. the crowds and against um, and against and you can you can the next well. bunch of comedians. Yeah, you can like, even do good. But that's not what I'm looking for. Like, yeah. I don't want a motherfucker doing okay. Yeah, you don't want to um, do...
0: I mean, you could be up... I mean, It could have just been bad luck, man. You could have been between Jeff and Rebecca O'Neill. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but also, you know, I mean,
1: you know, we give people opportunities here, you know, that maybe you haven't been on like, a all over the place, but we see something and, you know, we put you up and, you know, if you do okay, then, you know, maybe a little bit of time between it and put you up again. And But you also have to understand that, like, you are competing with a lot of people. I thought of a 100 comics... 100 comics off the top of my head that were bookable yeah. that I could just be like, all right, I'll give you five minutes, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like you do okay to great, you know, like on stage and you're competing with them. And that's not even, that's probably not even 20% of the comics. No, that not even the total the circulation.
0: I think that you guys have been really good at, I mean, like really good at taking new talent and a, and giving them the opportunity to run a show, to 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 get on stage, to make something creative and unique. You guys have been kind of u- unique in that regard versus any other. I mean, I would say the only one that comes kind of close is Comedy Bar. Yeah, and Brian
1: even- and I, yeah, Brian and I, we looked at this club itself just to be something that's very unique and special, and and something that doesn't happen anywhere because of the fact that this is a major metropolitan city It's the second city. And you, know, you got New York, LA and Chicago. Yeah. So we have what we think is the premier comedy club out of that. And we're not a headliner club. So it's not like you're coming in night and you know, and seeing fucking headliners flying in. These are local comics. So yeah. like seven nights a week, we are putting you guys up. Yeah. So, you know, if we're not giving you the opportunity to grow, not only as comedians, but as producers and to like really try to push the envelope and push, you know, the comedy, forward because we're not the ones that that are doing it it's it's you you know yeah. it's the comics like you're the creative you know entities we are the vessel that can provide the the platform to do it you know we're the conduit i guess you know yeah. in order to you know for you to actualize and realize you know your full potential um and being able to see it from open mic to to late night is is fucking special yo and you know i don't take that for granted and yeah. i don't take it lightly and You know with every bomb on stage like i i take that too you know like yeah it's like all right maybe you're not ready you know and with every you know bad booking decision you know i i take that personally and with every you know great booking decision you know it makes me proud and it makes me happy and and it's something very special and you know finding talent that's you know a diamond in the rough and and helping them and grooming them, and, you know, and giving them by grooming them, I just mean really giving them the opportunity, providing feedback, giving them, you know, suggestions or whatever, you know, like I can't tell you how to do your set, you know, yeah. I'm not a comic anymore and I wasn't a good one when I did it, so like, you know, if there's a tag that I think is funny or whatever, you know, like I'll throw my two cents in, you take it or leave it, but that doesn't mean if you don't do what I say, then that means you're not getting booked. Yeah. It's just me and you know, and Brian as well, trying to help because yeah. like you guys are our family. You know, I consider, you know, stand up comedy and comedy in Chicago is, you know, that was a community that embraced me, um, when I was lost and didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but I know I wanted to be involved, you know, and I wanted to, to, I wanted to contribute. I didn't know how, and I've kind of found my way, you know, as I started fading more into the background and and being more, you know, on the administrative business end of things. Um, I started seeing these opportunities. Now my goal is to bring industry here, yeah. you know, to bring industry, not only just to Chicago, but to the club. Yeah. Like I was in Montreal, I was at JFL and I'm talking to industry and they're telling me about all these comics that, you know, they love to get into the club and do a headliner. And I'm like, fuck that. I like, I got comics here in Chicago that I want you to represent. Yeah. And matter of fact, most of them are here right now. They're actually fucking performing in Montreal for just for laughs they have no there representation. Were so many. There were Come so Come check many. them out. You know, it was our, so weird to see. There were so many Chicago comics who dude, were into it's the. It's crazy. We're yeah. so saturated with talent. It's it's absurd. The amount of talent was, that we have, dude, here.
0: Curtis. It's so weird because, like, I at the New York Television Festival was fascinating for me because the the um, the number of people who won awards or were finalists or were awarded development deals that week the number of people from chicago was like amazing like there's a group of guys who did a show called omega house um and i'm b- gonna be working with one of them on a project i think coming up awesome this fall which is gonna be cool but these guys won a development deal with uh comedy central they won like a a out of literally thousands of people who submitted and like they they're all chicago dudes and it's funny because like we're talking to the industry there and we're like, why isn't anybody here? Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense that like there's so much talent and there's a big gap between people recognizing it. And it's yeah. it's actually weird because there's people who get opportunities for things in New York or LA who are objectively maybe not as 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 talented because they haven't gone through the same levels of stuff because the access to opportunity is just a lot higher
1: exactly yeah the the availability the accessibility of of getting like an industry gig or or really just kind of like working within the industry is kind of like it's slim to none here in chicago it's only a handful of opportunities that that seem available um you can live in chicago and, and kind of like work remotely you know and do work for in new york and la and just kind of commute um, as needed, um, that is a thing. But you know, there is too much potential and opportunity and talent here to say the only way to make it is to move. Um, depending on what you, depending on what you want to do, um, you may need to move. Yeah, and and, and yeah. a lot of times you have to move. Um, I but, think you do right
0: now. But I mean, like what you're talking about with getting industry here, or getting people here to to take to take notice. I think it's totally meaningful. I think that there are... Yeah. And a, it's,
1: it's going to take a while. I mean, that's this is nothing that probably won't even happen, like, within my, you know, my time on this earth, but, or, you know, <laughs> not, or my time here at this club, whichever I don't one that. happens first.
0: <laughs> your time, your way, my time on this earth oh, yeah.
1: has, like, such a weight to it. Yeah, right, before I die. Man, I these can, motherfuckers I mean, are never going to be Chicago. It could be of or health, or I can get a you know, straight <laughs> bullet. There's a lot of shit that can happen, but, you know, as long as I'm here, you know, i I will dedicate myself to try to do that because you guys deserve it. And, you know, to see the amount you have to kinda of almost see things from our eyes, you know, the the amount of talent. Like I went to New Faces and and Vincent Bryant and Joe McMahon and the unrepped showcase were amazing. Dusty Slave was great. Dan Perlman was great. You know, these guys were all great, but biased and unbiased that could have been a complete Chicago showcase and would have fucking ripped, you know? And so it's like, what can we do to provide more assistance or, or to, to facilitate, um, you know, that, that to, to be that conduit, you know, like I said before, um, to get, you know, our Chicago comics like on those showcases and be seen, how do I get in front of ICM? How do I get in front of APA and CA yep. and all of these places and say, you know, these are marketable people. These are marketable talent that that live in Chicago and you can you can pick and choose who you want like if you if they need to move or if you tell them they need to move you know to get a writer's gig be in the writer's room be in those rooms with those people then you know they're they're definitely more than willing to do it but you know it would be cool to have something here um and i think that's what we're developing and you know shout out to places like the comedy bar who are giving you know the same you know giving comics an opportunity to to hit the stage um you know they do something like what we're doing um they, they bite a lot of shit that we do. They, they copy a lot of shit that we do. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I always give them, you know, the utmost respect and credit because they're giving comics an opportunity to perform. Yeah. And that's and there's there's never enough opportunity for that. There's enough room in Chicago for for two or three more comedy clubs. There's enough people in Chicago to to fill out all those clubs. So, you know, there, it doesn't have to be there's only room for one. You know what I mean? Like we fit 350 people. There's like. Three million people in Chicago you know yeah, what I mean yeah. like it's an eighth of you know what the exact you know population of the city is so you know I you know I always am game for competition and you know being competitive as comedy clubs you know just kind of be the best which I have no problem with but my goal has nothing to do with beating the comedy bar or beating zanies like my goals are 100% influenced by the the talent that we have i and think it's like doing
0: i that. i just think that you've what you've been able to do here is so uh is so amazing because i think that you've created this space that's been so honestly like receptive and it's like and it's 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 so cool because it's it it really does like every time i've walked in here i felt like i know whether or not i've actually met every comic like i just met uh or remet i should say um, what's his name downstairs? Oh, Kenyon uh, and uh, Alex. Yeah, Alex. Yeah, yeah. And but it's like I've no, I you know these guys, yeah. and it's like you feel right at home walking into Laugh Factory. As a comic.
1: Yeah, and then the thing is about like you know. Being a welcoming environment. Like, one thing that we wanted to do first and foremost was just like make it a hangout spot. Like, yeah. Being in Montreal and just like, it was literally a comedy party. It was like comedy heaven. Everyone's just like drinking, talking, smoking, whatever. Just like, and it's comics, around comics, talking I'm comedy. Going next year, man. Being fucking like, around. You know? go. And on any given night, especially like on the weekends and shit, it's so cool to fucking like, walk down the stairs and just see fucking comics hanging out yeah either they came for from a show or about to go to a show or just didn't have a show that night and came and hung out and just like sitting by the bar fucking chilling and bullshitting like that's amazing and like that is organic you can't you can't force that you know what i'm saying like and then you know people talk about the safe spaces you know you want to have a place where like you know, women can feel safe and and minorities can feel safe and you know, LGBTQ elemental peace I mean we're writing you know, yeah, like we right right in voice down also. So yeah. like, you know, that is another thing. Like it it there's no exact science to that shit for sure. Well, um, but you, Especially I mean, but you, when every day some new shit seems to come about out, somebody. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's definitely a big thing in the self policing. There's like yeah. this whole code of conduct thing that's about to like happen, um, probably will be announced by the time this podcast comes out. Um and it's like like, you know a bunch of clubs collaborating together to come up with a code of conduct and this is the way the clubs should handle situations and you know everything blah 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 about you know harassment and, and 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 sexual assault and and things like that but you know as comedy clubs and bar showcases like you got to be able to police yourself you just got to be some self policing going on like i take every claim or allegation or whatever super fucking serious and you know i gotta treat everything with the exact same energy male or female um but also if some shit happens in this club like we deal with that shit first like if a motherfucker comes in and, and and tries to dose a drink or fuck with somebody we fuck you up first. Like yeah. I have no problem saying that shit on the record. Like, <laughs> CC the holiday party. Like you come in, we fuck you up first. Oh yeah. And then we call the cops, and then we explain to the cops what happened, and then they take it from there. Like, yep. you know, we had a guy coming. I don't even know who the fuck this dude was, but you know, a few people were like, "Hey, this dude's doing some real fucked up shit." And so I put something in a drink. So we handled that yeah the way we handled that <laughs> and you know then we called the cops they came and they did whatever they could do yeah um but that's what you do you know what i mean like you can't well, that's what i mean is like idle you've, you've created
0: like a community that's been like a it's like a it it, it fosters it fosters love of itself I mean like not in a bad way I mean like in in a, in a positive way yeah. where like people are happy to come here people are happy to be here yeah. I've, I well, mean we've like,
1: loved, but we've also done
0: malore court so you know like yo <laughs> you win
1: some you lose some oh my god that's so funny man <laughs> funny. I, I,
0: would you say I would you would you say that's the that's the show you've you've like the worst show you've ever done or had put on here
1: uh yeah. <laughs> Definitely, and it, you know, it, yeah, the hindsight twenty twenty for a million things. But, I mean, you know, you that know is- it, on on paper it seemed like it would be great. <laughs> on paper, it was like a high risk, high reward show, and <laughs> and. We just didn't get the high reward. <laughs> I mean, not
0: everything can be uh, a drink date laugh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Please don't say that. Paul probably listened to this shit. He's like, ooh, we got a good show. But, you know, <laughs> that's that that goes kind of along the lines of, you know, we take chances. Yeah. And, you know, without, you know, if you, you miss on the lower court, you win on something else, you know. And so it's just being able to take those chances, you know, like because not every – club or you know club runner or you know booker is able to do that and so like you know that's something that i will always you know be super appreciative of that you know jamie allows you know brian and myself to 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 take those chances you know what i mean and like kind of fall on our face but understand that we will not stop and we will continue to work you know day in and day out 24 fucking seven like my work doesn't stop to the detriment yeah. of my relationship, to a personal yeah. life, like all of that shit. That's what but, I was going to say. Yeah, you know, I was going to say it is always kind of like first. And, you know, I have other endeavors, you know, like run nonprofit, you know, I work with nonprofits and, you know, I have a, I, I kind of teeter this line of a for-profit nonprofit kind of girl, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, the, the passion for standup is always first, first and foremost and allows me to make. Good and bad decisions, I guess. <laughs>
0: well, no, that's good, man. And I think, like, um, I, I was gonna say earlier that your dedication to, like, uh, to to the scene is, I think, amazing. Because I feel like. I would, I run into you here, of course, but then I run into you at like other shows every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, Oh, I wish
1: oh. I actually went to more uh, yeah. to, to as many shows as I used to go to, but we're also open seven nights a week now. So yeah. it's like at the end of the day, I can go scout out a thing, but I also have, have to watch to the here. comics yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a, and it also like, have a girlfriend that I yeah. need, that I love very much and, <laughs> and will be marrying someday, but I also have to be very present and available to her. Um, yeah. That's and, my challenge too, is I feel like I got to ba- Yeah. It's hard to balance that stuff when you yeah. get into a relationship. Yeah. But. It, it's Definitely, there's definitely there's no blueprint for that. You just kind of gotta, you Roll gotta know, it. yeah, know when to <laughs> hold them, one to fold them. <laughs> um, well, hey man, we're running up on time,
0: uh, and I know you got stuff to get into, and people are gonna start showing up here in a little while. Yeah, I hear, hear people it. downstairs. Yeah, the yeah, rumbles. Oh man, that's a. This is a, we're right at the at the mark. So, um, nice. thanks so much, man. I appreciate it, Curtis. Thank you so much for sitting down, dude. And um, uh, you know, we'll have to do this again.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to do this like, like a follow. Yeah, we got to do you know when I'm like. We'll do it. I forget fire. I'm like, right, this place. <laughs> you like, like, this is no real bottle, shit. Like, yeah. factory anyway. let me tell you some stories about Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
0: All right, man. Thank you so much, dude. Take it easy. Meanwhile, madness continues. Awesome.
1: Thanks for having me, brother.